welcome to our Victory Outreach Boston podcast. We pray you are blessed, encouraged, and challenged with this message. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. In the New King James Version, or actually in a different version, it says where there is no vision, people perish. And I like to flip it around and say where there is vision, people flourish. We're going to talk today about clear vision. God wants to clear our vision up. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for Victory Outreach Boston. I thank you for every visitor that may be here with us today. We celebrate one year anniversary, but this is one year. This is just scratching the surface at the beginning. I pray you continue to give us more vision for the future, personally and collectively. We give you all the glory, all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Tell the person next to you, say, clear up your vision in Jesus' name. You can be seated. It's important to have a vision, a clear perspective. See, we can't take cities, we can't do business as usual if we're going to see things happen in the future. And we as people of God need to clear, have a clear perspective of where God has taken us. What vision really is, is seeing the future, having a glimpse of the future. Now, you could have a natural glimpse of the future in the flesh. You could have a personal vision of your own that you made up out of your own heart. But God wants to give you a God vision, a godly vision that must happen rather than your vision that may happen. There's a big difference. When you are a Christian, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. So you have access to the throne of God. You have access to talk to God. And God wants to clear our eyes up. It takes clear vision to make these things happen. He wants to take care of your marriage. He wants to take care of your personal life. He wants to take care of your family. And he also wants to take care of the ministry. And all of it works together to see great things happen. Now, what is visionary leadership? I have an example for you. Nehemiah is a good example. And I'm going to go over it real quick. After he heard the report of his people in the land of Jerusalem, he had an overwhelming burden. Now, most visions begin with a burden. Most ministries begin with a burden. This ministry began with a burden. When he scouted out the land, Danny and a few others... He brought reports back to me, and he says, there's a huge need in Boston. And Dr. Mayanda confirmed that when he broke in front of them and says, you are what we've been praying for. That's a powerful thing. So Nehemiah, there's a similarity here. Nehemiah, he sought after God in fasting and prayer. Then he sought favor from the king and knew what resources to ask for. Then he acquired favor and resources from his overseer. That's from me. (laughs) and then he went and assessed the situation himself that's what we did i actually went with them the second time around i was able to assess the situation and then he envisioned a group of people getting them on board with the plan of action we envisioned the multi-region those three pastors you saw on there they have churches under them so what i did with the burden that i felt when i came here i began to envision them i said let's pray Let's pray and let's believe God that he's going to raise up people, workers, and leaders to take over Boston, to to begin to penetrate Boston. And then God opened the door here in the Lion of Judah to have this building to use. And we so appreciate that. And we begin to make a good connection. Even with Pastor Brandt, the first thing he says, I want you on my radio show. 
and I, or your podcast or whatever it's called, and we, we were able to do that, and there's such a kinship there. When people get together, great things could happen. So once the building there with Nehemiah, once the building started, an overwhelming momentum began to take place where the priests got involved, people got involved, sons, daughters, grandchildren, business owners, merchants, goldsmiths were all building and battling to establish their city. That's what we're seeing here right now. You have different types of people in this room that you're part of building God's kingdom here at Victor Average Boston. Are you catching what I'm saying? You may not be bought in all the way, but I'm here to tell you, God has given us a promise to reach the treasures out of darkness, and you are part of that promise. Some of you are a treasure already, and some of you are called to reap the treasures there in the city. It all began with the burden. It began with the vision of what God was able to do, what was supposed to be. And God wants to do something great here in this city, and he wants to use you. Soon we're going to see this place packed out, and we're going to probably have to go double services. Can I get an amen from somebody? So God has called his people to charge the way to envision and create momentum within our homes, within our surroundings, within our circles of influence, and within our communities. We are called to make a difference, and everything rises and falls on leadership. You may say, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. You're a leader of yourself, for one. You're a leader in, in, in whoever you have a circle of influence over, or your children. Everyone has a leadership position, whether you have a title or not. And God wants to raise you up to have a clear perspective. I'm going to ask you this question. You don't have to say it out loud. Do you have a clear perspective of your future? When we gather together on Sundays, we are able to recharge. We're able to get re-envisioned. We're able to reevaluate, reset, and get more direction from God. And to gain the bigger picture, the bigger perspective. See, sometimes we're, we're involved in the workplace, we're involved day to day, and we begin from Monday through Friday to Saturday, we begin to get clouded, or clouded vision. When God really spoke to us on Sunday, then we leave and we go back to our routine. And then we begin to get into a, a cloud because all these different burdens come up, all these different challenges come up, all these different trials come up. Then we come back Sunday again, I need another altar call just to, just to stay alive. God has not called us to be a defeated Christian. God has not called you to be a struggling Christian. God has called you to be victorious. That's why we call ourselves victory outreach, not defeated outreach. Your outreach is only as effective as your victory. And with the victory comes also the vision that God wants to give you. See, we are take, we're not only taking cities, but we're taking countries and nations. And when we lose the ability to be a visionary, or lose sight of where we're going, those around us could be affected when we can't see ourselves. It's kind of like the blind leading the blind. The blind lead the blind into a ditch. And that's why even with leadership, this is for the leadership here too, you got to keep the vision strong because it's also going to affect the people around you. All the leaders that are in this room that are established leaders, you got to keep the vision clear. Can somebody say Amen. See, business as usual or hardship, that will come your way. It, it can easily cloud your vision. Hardship, trials, relational issues, job issues, it can cloud your vision. But you got to stay sharp. See, it's time to set yourself on the rampart like Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, we're going to read that in a moment, but I'm going to give you a little background on him. Habakkuk was saddened by the violence and corruption he was seeing 
He was seeing prostitution taking place in the temple. Children were being sacrificed to pagan gods. There were overwhelming evils taking place. He lived in the midst of political chaos and threats of war. Doesn't that sound familiar in the nation that we're in right now or the world we live in right now? All of these things were taking place. You see, history repeats itself, but then God raises up a leader. But what he did, watch, it says here in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, it says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. Verse 2, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, say appointed time. But at the end it will speak, it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Verse 4, behold, the, the proud, his, whole, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. So we've got to write that vision down. We've got to have it in our hearts. When I first got my vision, was, I was separated Amsterdam, Holland, when I was only 20 years old. I got saved at 19 years old, and we had a church in Amsterdam that was thriving. It was hitting about 1,000 people. And my dad says, maybe you should separate and go to the, to the home over there, the men's home, and get a hold of God. Let God speak to you. Because at that time, I was living under the shadow of my dad. Imagine being the founder's son, Sonny Argonzoni, Jr., and, the, you know, people began to say things like, you're going to be just like your dad. Others would say, you're going to be like Nikki Cruz, or you're going to be like this. And I just wanted to know, what does God say about me? Because all I, all, all I wanted to do before I got saved was be a baseball player. I just wanted to be a professional athlete. And then when God got a hold of me, he shifted my desires. And he began to give me a desire to be at church, a desire to be in ministry, a desire to do something for God. So I got off that baseball field. I began to seek God. And then God says, separate yourself. Get on that rampart. Hear from me. And I'm going to give you a vision. So he gave me this passage. If you get my book, you can read more about this. It was a supernatural event. And it was so, so real that I couldn't deny it. Because I had to know that I know that I'm called by God, not by man. When you know that you know you're called by God, you can't run from it because you'll be, you'll be so miserable. The most miserable people are the ones that know they're called by God but running from it. You cannot run God. It's like a Jonah. He'll go after you. He'll send a storm your way. He'll get, the, get something to swallow you up and he'll spit you back on the right path. Because he doesn't give up on you. And you can't give up on yourself. God had given me a vision of my own calling. And many of the promises of the vision have come to pass, but there's much more to happen. And this is one of the visions that he gave me, that we're going to plant churches, and I'm going to be a part of that. We're going to be a part of planting churches, and this is one part or piece of the vision. And it's happening now, one year. Come on, God's on the move. So visionary people, it begins with positioning yourself on the rampart, meaning putting yourself in the posture of prayer. Before you get a vision for yourself, you got to get a vision of God. When you get a vision of God, say, God, you are all-powerful. God, you are all-knowing. God, you are everywhere at once. God, I need a clear vision from you. Show me, and then, then you write it down. He may wake you up in the middle of the night. You know how I got my vision? I fasted and prayed for seven days. And I finally got on the seventh day, and I started writing it down. Then he confirmed it. That morning, the chapel preacher, he began to preach, and he, he was saying, we, we had a stand at that time back in those days. It made you stand. You can't lean on anything because they don't want you to fall asleep. 
So he was preaching, and he says, he read that scripture. He says, that vision is for you. And it was like pointing right at me. And then we went to pray, and I still was doubting. But then that day, I began to call. I called my mom. I said, Mom, I got a vision. And she was like, really? With that voice? She didn't believe it because I told her how big it was. And I went to the pastor at that time. We had a meeting in his office on a Saturday. And he looked at me with his glasses, and he put his glasses down. And he goes, looked at me like, like that's not going to happen. <laughs> so I began to doubt again. So I put a fleece before God, which you're not supposed to do, but I did. And I said, God, if you, I need you to speak to me before the day's up. So late, later that night, um, I wasn't even thinking about it, but I got, a, I got a, a card for Christmas. It was after Christmas, but it was a, a late card. And attached to it was a paper clip with a little paper. And it says, God spoke to me about you. And he says, you are called. And they, they have the same scripture, Habakkuk chapter 2, 1 through 4. How could I deny that being God? And I looked at the clock. It was 11.45 p.m. before 12 midnight. And he, he spoke to me in the same day, confirma- confirmation. God wants to do the same for you. And he wants to give you a vision for yourself, number one. A vision for yourself. A sense of purpose. A sense of destiny. That God says, I have something good for you. Something beyond you. In other words, things that you can't do in the natural, I'm going to do through you in the supernatural. Whatever you can do in the natural, you don't, you don't need God. But when you need, when you need God to open the doors, when you need God's extra power, when you need God's wisdom, when you need God to, to do something with your relationship, all that comes together when you get a vision from God. And God wants to speak to people about your own personal vision. See, you're not a mistake. You're made in the image of God. You have a purpose. God has raised you up, and you are loved You are chosen. Yeah, you may have had a bad past. Yeah, you may have had a bad week. Whatever may have happened to cloud your vision or cloud your life, I want you to know there's still hope for you. You got to start believing it. You are chosen. You're anointed. And God has a plan for your life, just like Jeremiah 29, 11. Mm -hmm. Plans for good and not for evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope and an intended future. God has a plan for each and every person in this room. And with your purpose comes doors opening for you to see the supernatural take place. See, God knew the the generation you would be born in. God knew the parents you would have. God knew the city you would be born in. God knew the the place or the the place you would be raised in. But he also had a a point in time for you to meet him. And you're in a place where you're able to meet God every single week and every single day on your own. So he can speak to your life and guide and direct your life for his intended purpose. We have been created to worship him. We have been created to interact and have a personal relationship with God. To reflect him, to be the light and show his love to others. To serve and use our gifts and our talents and our abilities to be able to serve in the kingdom, to build his kingdom. And and God's able to use you in a powerful way. And also to lead the next generation into into the power of God and also into the kingdom of God. I want you to know God wants to raise you up for such a time as this. So a vision for yourself. Number two, a vision for your family. A vision for your family. Now, family is so important. You know, a a great family also is, is a powerful thing when you're able to raise up your family in the things of God. Now, what is God's vision for your family? Family is important to the health of society. 
Strong families make strong societies and strong churches. And even if your family may be broken right now, God's able to bring it back together. I started the year with, and I, I began to prophesy the, this beginning of the year that God wants to bring families back together. God wants to save our families. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we got to declare that every single day in our prayer closet. We got to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. May you, you may be a single parent. You may be barely married. You may be divorced. Whatever it may be, God is able to change things in this time that we're in. And you got to keep staying on that rampart to see that vision come to pass. My parents raised us up in the things of God, but we are raised up in a different way, a very unique way. There was no church quite like us because it was, it was, my parents would take people literally off the of streets and they would sleep in our house. And sometimes my, they would give up my sister's bed for a drug addict to kick. And my sister would have to sleep with my parents or on the floor somewhere until that drug addict, there was a lot of sacrifice involved. And then I lived with the rehab and, you know, for about the first 12 years of my life. And it was nice. It was, it was a nice place, the ranch. You know, we had a pool. We had all these things. And they were good to me. They are nice to me. But it was very unique. I would go to a school of middle-class people, and they would be coming up with Mercedes, coming up with Cadillacs. They would be dropped off in one of them with a limousine and all these different nice cars. And then they would take me to school in a messed-up old rehab van. And then I'd, I'd get off the van, I'd run. It's embarrassing. Because our church was in East L.A., but our, our home, the home that we had, was in about 30, 30 miles away, 30 minutes away. So it was a whole two different cultures. It's in my book, too, if you want to read it. There's so much more to it. But my examples, my parents raised us up in a unique environment. And guess what? We went the prodigal way. My sister Debbie did, my sister Doreen did, myself, Georgina, my sister, my other, we have five of us, and my brother Tim. So one day, one day my dad got so frustrated, he was preaching on Father's Day, and he got so frustrated, he was trying to preach on the family, how, how, how to have a godly family, and he's watch, looking at us in the seats, because we had to be at church, and my mom's sitting there with us, all five of us, because it was Father's Day, we had to be at church, plus it's Father's Day. So he starts the message, and you can see he started getting uncomfortable. So 10 minutes in, he just stopped. He goes, I can't do this, church. This is about a, over 1,000 people in the room. And he gets off the pulpit, goes down to the, to the, to the floor. He kind of hung his shoulders. He says, I, I can't preach this. I need your prayers. And everybody, you'd think they were just like, oh, the pastor is not an example. Instead, they came up, and they had compassion. And then he called us all up. He says, Debbie, Doreen, Sonny, Georgina, all of us, get up here. My mom was saying, no. Because my mom was very private. <laughs> but he just called us out. They surrounded us with a wall of, of, of prayer, a circle of prayer. And something happened. Something broke. A few, couple, a few minutes later, my sister, De Doreen, she was a party animal. She was like, what do they call it, goth? God, she had that black hair, you know, gothic, yeah. She had a big little black boots. She rode a scooter. She's like, you know, <laughs> she was a partier. So she's at a party on a Saturday night, and uh, somehow I guess she met somebody that was a Christian. I don't know what he's doing at the party like that. 
And then they went to, to a donut shop and started talking, and uh, she received Christ. And so she came back home. We're all asleep. It's like 3 in the morning. And she, she opened the door, and she says, I'm saved. She yelled super loud, I'm saved. And I woke up. I'm thinking, you're high. I couldn't believe it because she was so, such a, man, crazy girl. And so the next morning, I see her get up. She got all that makeup off. She put on a dress, and she went to church. She was transformed from that day on. That was the beginning of the breakthrough for my family, our family. Then shortly thereafter, I got saved. Then, then my sister got saved. Then my other brother got saved. Then my other sister got saved. And all five of us now are in ministry for many, many years. And it's because of God's faithfulness. When you pray for your family, you will see them come to Christ. Keep on praying. Stay on that brown part. Believe God for your miracle. Now I have my five kids, me and Kim. So I got three of them. Three of the boys are into the ministry. My three actually two of my boys and my daughter right here. So we got three of them here. Where are you, Cruz? Cruz, stand up. Cruz, stand up. Jordan, stand up. Stand up with a smile. There you go. Brooklyn, stand up. So, so they're serving God. I got two more to go, 15 and 14 boys. They're into sports right now. Tyler's into football. Cody's into baseball, which I hope he makes it. Fulfill my dream. But we have to challenge our children in the course of serving God. Make them go to church if they don't want to go. If they didn't make us go to church, we probably wouldn't be here today. Train up a child in the way of the Lord, and when he grows up, he'll not depart from it. You got to keep training them, keep being modeled. Try to, and I remember my dad would challenge me. He, he would challenge me on the baseball field. I'd, I'd lose my temper when I was a little leaguer. And he, I remember him calling me over on the sideline after. He says, keep your cool. Because I was getting too emotional. And so I never forgot that. I kept that even to this day. I'm going to say another piece right here. Who's married in this place? Just wave at me. Okay. You got to also have a vision for your marriage. That you are going to last forever. That you're going to work on yourself. You're going to have to point the finger at your wife. Husbands, but point the finger at yourself and start looking at what do I need to improve myself in? How can I serve my wife better? How can I love her better? And we all fail at this. Sometimes I'm super good to my wife, and sometimes, boom, I bomb it. But 24 years or something, right? And I still love her. She still loves me. She still smiles at me when I preach. I love that part. Because you don't want to preach with an angry wife in front of you. So if we get in a fight on Saturday, we're making up before Sunday morning, I'm telling you. <laughs> but you got, you got to know you could be a power team, couples. You could be a power team where the man takes, you know, he's a man of God and, the, and loves his wife. Like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Then the woman submits automatically. You don't have to make her submit. She wants to submit because you love her, you love her, you love her. And you're willing to serve her. Willing to do the small stuff. That makes her happy. All right. It's not a marriage seminar, but I'm telling you, you got to have a vision for your family and for your marriage. Give the Lord a hand.
Because we are a family, a place you call home, a people you call family. And, amen. So we have to have strong families, strong marriages, and then be an example. Some of you are going to be marriage couple leaders because your marriage is going to get stronger. Thirdly is the church. We have to have a vision for the church, and this is your church. If this is your church, wave at me. If this is your church, okay, good. It's a matter of making a declaration. This is my church. I'm planting my roots in this church. Through thick and thin, through times of hardship, whatever may come, winters of life, I made a decision to be a part of Victory Average. We can't go through business as usual if we want to see growth in this church. We can't go through traditional methods. See, principles remain the same, but methods change. And if we don't keep up with the times that be relevant and the times that we're in, and also the culture of Boston, which is multicultural, we got to learn, learn how to target the right people with, with the right methods, the right form of evangelism, so we can see the harvest come in. Now, we had a pretty good harvest, harvest this last crusade. Some, some good people got saved. Even people from California are even touched now because of this crusade. A lady that was visiting here, she lives in California. She's married to somebody that's really, you know, a big-time guy. Now they love our ministry. He came to our mighty men of valor, and now they're part of us. So that crusade has fruit, but there's more to come. Now, in this winter time, we got to start thinking strategically, too. How can we reach people in the winter, the hard winter? So we'll talk about that in our leaders' meeting. But I'm just telling you, each and every person here has a gifting. I call it this, the power spot. A power spot means this. Your, your, your giftings, your personal style, your spiritual gifts, personal style, and also your passion. Okay? Your personal style means your, your personality. Everyone has a different personality. We're not clone makers here. So your personality is different than the next guy or girl. Then you have your spiritual gifts. You've got to learn what you have, discover it, develop it, and then use it. Then thirdly, the passion. What is your passion? Passion comes from something you love to do, and also passion comes from something you don't like what you're seeing. You want to change it. You say, they should do this. They should do that. No, God's saying, you do it. You do it. If you have a burden for it, rise up and do it. So there's room in this house for people to be contributors. Now, people that are not involved, they could become, it could become like a broken leg on a, on a person, and it causes a limp in the body. Because everyone has a, has a part of the body here. And, and God wants to raise you up to be useful in the body, to bring healing in the body, to bring, to bring production in the body. And, and through that, you're fulfilled. And the people around you are touched. It's a beautiful thing to be touched by God, but it's even a better thing when you're touching others for God. It is. I mean, I love getting the power of God hitting me. But I love when the power goes through me. And God wants to make you a miracle worker for others. So get a vision for your church. And lastly, but not least, I have a, so much more. This is just half my message. Have a vision for the movement. We are not a local church only. I call it, we're global, global and local, okay? We're local, and then we're global. Now, if we were just a local church, we would still be in East L.A. Probably have a big church, but God gave my dad a vision to plant churches and to plant rehabs, uh, rehab centers all over the world. The whole original idea was there was Teen Challenge, different 
ministries that were reaching the drug addicts, but they would send them to a church that the church can't handle them. They don't know how to work with them. So that's why God gave my dad that vision, to bring them in, to work with them, to disciple them, to train them, and then he'd start to preach vision. Some of you are going to be pastors, evangelists, and some of them were nodding out the first few, not scratching, nodding out, and then they pass the offering plate, and it would come back empty. And then my, my mom would say after the services, man, you were talking some big stuff. She says, I know. Because when the anointing lifts, you're like, reality kicks in. Like, oh, my God, I'm talking to people that are on welfare or people that are still not even off drugs. But something got in one of the guys, and he came up after a service and says, God spoke to me, Pastor. It was one of the least likely guys. It was a short guy, my dad says, and he spoke with the side of his mouth. You know, Pastor? You, you've been talking some heavy stuff, Pastor. I've been taking notes, Pastor. And he goes, and I have a Bible study in a different city. And I want, I want you to know, I'm catching that vision to be a pastor. And then my dad kind of shrugged it off, like, okay, all right. Like, okay, sounds good, huh? He didn't believe it because the guy, he looked unlikely. He didn't have the stature. He didn't have, you know, the charisma that you so-called need. But he had a heart. He had a passion. He started catching the vision. And so he went out and started doing a Bible study. Then the Bible study in a few months grew to like 50 people. And then, my, then he comes back to my dad and says, Pastor, you have to come. You have to come see what's happening. Something powerful is taking place. So my dad finally went and he saw the fruit. And he saw it actually happened. So that became the first church plant, supernatural church plant by the most unlikely candidate. I'm here to tell you, some of you may be a pastor. Some of you may be part of a team that takes a city. Some of you may take a city somewhere or a nation somewhere. I'm here to tell you, it's all possible in Jesus' name. We're called to reach the nations. Let's start with this multicultural place here in Boston. Let's prove it can be done here if you can come to the piano. God wants to do something in us and through us. The intention here, my vision here, if you can hear me closely, is not just a local vision. It's to branch out into different parts of Boston and also branch out into different parts of, of, the, of the East Coast. So I have a question for you. What is your vision? Do you have a vision? And let me ask you another question. Is it your vision or a God-given vision? Have you sought God for the vision? Or have you just made it up on your own? Okay, the Bible says, if you abide, abide in me, I will abide in you, and you shall ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Now, you've got to catch that. If you abide in me, I will abide in you. Then if you ask what you desire, it shall be done. You know what that means? In other words, you're asking in his will because you're abiding in him, the vine, Jesus. So that's, my, that's what I started doing. That's why baseball didn't mean much to me after all because God got a hold of me and I went after God. And so I was on that baseball field at practice and I'm thinking about it, I want to go to church. So my, the will for me was baseball, but the will for God was ministry. I'm glad I made that choice.
I really believe in this church. I believe we call it a hub. Like uh, like airports have hubs where people the planes come in and they're sent to different places. Right now we're we're building the hub. A hub with the vision for Boston. For different levels of people. From the doctor level to the lawyer level down to those that are on the meth meth mile, methadone mile. Everyone's important. Everyone plays a part. Now in Victory Outreach International, we have all types of people. At the very beginning, we had just people from the ghetto. But God raised up that generation. Many of them went out and pioneered different churches. Then their kids started rising up. Some of them got saved. Some of them didn't. We, we got saved finally. And then this third generation, we're seeing more fruit. And we're seeing all types of people. So it's not limited to the addict anymore. So if you say, I'm not an addict, I don't belong here. No, you do. Jesus had a heart for the downer and outer. He was never any of those things. He loved people. The prostitute, the leper, he touched the leper. No one's supposed to touch a leper. He touched the leper. We're willing to touch a drug addict. We're willing to touch the, the addicts out there. We're willing to hug them. We're willing to lay hands on them because we believe in the power of God. But it comes with the power of love. So it's compassion. When you move with compassion, the power shows up. Bam. And that's why you see me in tears right now because I feel compassion for some of you. Because God wants to clear your eyes. He wants to give you clarity. He doesn't want you to wander aimlessly or day to day wondering, what do I do? How, how am I going to do? What am I going to do? He says, I want to give you, I want to give you your path. He says, I want to be the light, a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Step by step, this is the way I interpret it. Step by step, a lamp, steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. And then the light to your path, meaning your purpose, your vision. Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray this message builds your faith, encourages and strengthens you in your walk with the Lord. If you would like to partner with us, sow a seed today. Head on over to our website at voboston.org and hit the giving link located at the top of the page. God bless you.